And welcome, everyone. Today, we are going to welcome Nicole and Jemmy for the first part of the show. And then we'll be taking your calls after that. We are out on Twitter spaces. You guys are slowly piling in there. And of course, I'm watching you also on the restream and uh, over at the Rumble Rants, where there's nobody just yet. So you guys got to pile in there as much as possible. So uh, Nicole has a new book out. Uh, we'll be discussing it, and she'll show it to you as soon as she comes in here. The book you can order, it comes out today. It's Nicole and Jemmy's Anatomy book. There it is. It's an extraordinary book, a catalog of familiar, rare, and unusual pathologies. And we will be talking about rare, unusual, and familiar pathologies today. Uh, get a little bit about COVID. And uh, again, as I said, later we'll get your calls in here. That'll be at the top of the hour. We will go out on Twitter spaces and take calls. But uh, let's get right to Nicole's interview. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hey everyone, welcome. Nicole has, of course, one of the most uh, popular Instagram accounts out there. It is at Mrs. MRS underscore and Jemmy, A-N-G-E-M-I. Uh, if you like some of the stuff that's in the book here, you will love all the uh, grossness that people uh, that she shows on the Instagram account, as well as her website, The Gross Room, G-R-O-S-S, thegrossroom.com. Please welcome Nicole and Jemmy. Hi, Drew. How are you? I'm great. So tell us what's in the book, why they should buy the book, why you wrote the book, what's going on? So I wrote the book because, as you know, on Instagram, I post all the time and I don't really have an organized way of showing people exactly what happens in the human body. So the book is kind of an A through Z tour through the human body of all your different body parts and all the different types of things that could go wrong with all your body parts. And I give a brief introduction in the beginning of my life and my background working in pathology. And also I just talk about my kind of theory of the human body and why I think it's important to share this kind of stuff. Give, give me a thumbnail of that if you don't mind, because I know you and I share a similar feeling, which is just that it's matter of fact. People should, it's why I did Loveline. It was also simple and basic and people should understand this material because why not? 
Exactly. Yes, they should understand their pathology. They should understand their anatomy. They should understand a little bit about how their body works. Give them also uh, a little a little sketch on how this happened to you, how you went from nursing school. You talk about this in the book a bit, how you went from nursing school to the path lab. So I kind of was a lost teenager. As you know, I'm like one of the original teen moms. Um, I had my daughter when I was in ninth grade and I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. So I thought, hey, I'm just going to go to college and become a nurse because that's what girls do, right? And um, I started going to college you know, and took the basic classes like biology and algebra and all those types of things. And then I soon found out that I really liked science and I didn't want to be a nurse at all because um, I took biology for my very first class. And I had never taken biology because I dropped out of high school. So um, <laughs> it was new and interesting to me. And I got to look under the microscope for the first time. And that's I, I immediately fell in love with science right away. And you ended up liking what was under the microscope, so, ending up in a cytopath yeah, lab, I right? Mean, so, yeah. So basically, if you want to know how I got into that, my teacher was a microbiologist and she was she worked as a microbiologist in the hospital and she kind of introduced me to that world. And then I got a job right away in the hospital working in microbiology, just like putting urine on Petri dishes and stuff like that. And then I kind of just fell into it from there. I Then I went to school to be a cytotech, which is looking at cells under the microscope. And then I got a job doing that. And then that's how I kind of, that's a division of anatomical pathology. And that's how I discovered the whole world of gross and gross pathology, organs, autopsies. So, I mean, that went over a course of, you know, 10 years or whatever, but it was, I, I make it seem a lot faster than it was, but it, it was, you know, I fell in love with science. That was the beginning part of it. And you've been fascinated with uh, gross anatomy and human pathology ever since. And, and did you, I don't remember in the book, if you tell the story about the limb refrigerator, you tell that story in there? Um, I might I might touch on it a little bit because that was basically how I figured out that I was working at anywhere near that kind of stuff in the hospital. So when I worked in the cytotechnology lab, I just would sit there and look at slides all day and I wore clean clothes and I sat at a cubicle all day. And then one day I, I tell this story because this was kind of the, the changing moment for me. I was sitting at my desk just looking at pap smears, you know, and all of a sudden I heard commotion in the hallway and, and then it was really smelled horrible, like, you know, a dead decomposing body kind of. And I went out to see what the commotion was and they said that the leg refrigerator was broken and it was leaking. And I just was so surprised because I didn't know that there was a refrigerator that was holding amputated legs in it that was really on the other side of the wall I had been sitting at for two years. And um, when I went over there and looked at it, there was just like all these legs just kind of tightly wrapped in biohazard bags. So you could see the outline of the leg just stacked up in this refrigerator. It was really just crazy to me to see that. And everybody's just kind of working back there. You know, you know, it was like a clear fridge, like you would see in the pizza shop or something. And everybody's just working <laughs> back there, just acting normal. And I'm just like, but there's legs right here. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, and, and then, you know, I, I made friends with the people that worked back there and I, I would go day and just be like, what are you guys doing? And it would be like a colon, like 
for example, like a um, diverticulitis colon sitting there on somebody's like and, I and have. It looks like, yeah, like it just looks like a, a kitchen. There's a cutting board and there's knives and there's blood. You know, it's just it's like cutting meat basically. But um, I saw really crazy things like a giant ovary, like a huge ovary, bigger than my head. You know, and and ju I just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then all of a sudden, I didn't think the microscope was so cool anymore because I was looking <laughs> at all this stuff. And how many autopsies do you think you do in a year on average over well, the last say, 20 I, years? I, I would say like the, the hospital that I used to work at, um, we did anywhere from like 150 to 200 a year. Um, and it just varies depending on where you're at. Because then after I had the kids, I worked at a hospital that did far less, maybe like 30 a year. You know what I mean? So it just, mm -hmm. it depends over, you know, I could, I could say that I've done hundreds over my life. I don't really know exactly a number because I never really kept track. And I also, you know, did so many internships and observed autopsies, not necessarily cutting them. So I've just right. been immersed in that world since I was like 19 years old. So. I'm sure it's got to be a thousand if you really added it up. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I really have no idea because then that we we did a lot on fetuses as well. So that's mm. I mean that was a bulk of it, and um, sometimes those numbers are counted in surgical pathology versus morgue numbers. But yeah, I've had my hands in a few bodies, <laughs> <laughs> quite a few, and learned a bit <laughs> as a result. Yeah, uh, sure. What do you mean when you say pathology is bigoted? It's a bigot. Well, a, a lot of times you try to hear people trying to talk about medicine and trying to say that it's, you know, it's, it's broad based and you don't want to kind of narrow it down to certain races or certain age groups or something like that, because that's, you know, really big thing right now. But in pathology, that's just the most important stuff that you, you need to know, you know, um, you need to know how old people are. You need to know what race people are because certain things happen to different demographics of people. So um, in the book, I just I just touch on that how and give actual examples of how that type of information is important to us because certain sexes could only get certain kinds of diseases. And it's just really important that we have as much information as possible to try to help come up with a diagnosis. And all of medicine yeah, should be that way, not just pathology. Yeah, biology is just a fact. It's just a thing. It's just a phenomenon. It's just a, a structure and a physiology and a biochemistry, and it just is. And I, I, I wouldn't say you're so much a big a, a bigot as a profiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know that everything has most commons and everything, and then you're just basically trying when you can narrow things down, okay, it's male, it's female, it's the, whatever sex it is, whatever age it is. Um, you know, I did my mystery diagnosis the other day or on Monday on, um, a neuroblastoma, which is a tumor that you would, you would most specifically see in, in children and, and young, you know what I mean? Like you need to just know yeah. how old the person is and all that information is important as much as they don't want to say it's important. It is important. We need to know all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, just the the most ex, the out, an outlying sort of description would be you don't you don't see prostate cancer in children, you don't see prostate cancer in women, period, yeah, exactly. ever, yes, ever. 
No. It's not even to just play in the odds. That just doesn't happen. And you don't see no. neuroblastomas in a 75-year-old, at least not in a 55-year-old. You don't see it, certainly. So, exactly. all right. So, yes, we agree completely. So, uh, let's think. Of, I'm looking at some of the other things you're... Yeah, you, you have a comment somewhere that uh, humans are animals like any other animal, and we... We don't ask veterinarians to adjust their perception of the biology of animals any more than we sh you should be adjusting your biology on humans, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's one of the points that I bring up in the book is that we're just like every other animal. We are considered animals, but the difference is with us is that we can make choices to change, to go against our biology. So for some examples, I say, you know, we're based upon our teeth. We're created as omnivores and that's that's what we are. So that means that we're supposed to eat meat and we're supposed to eat animals. But people could go against their biology and they could choose to be vegetarian or vegan or whatever. But like that, that doesn't mean that, you know, that's that's not something that any other class of animal would do besides humans, right? But that doesn't right. change the fact that our teeth are designed to be omnivores, right? And our, our bodies were designed right. to be omnivores. So we can make choices right. to go against things, even though, you know, if you want to be specific, like female body was was is designed to, you know, hold a baby, but people could choose not to have a baby if they don't want to and things like that. Whereas other animals mm -hmm. don't make those decisions like we do. They don't impose the environment imposes things on them. They don't impose things on themselves. Yes. Yeah. So why don't you take some examples from the book and uh, stump me? I've only read the first half of the book, so you can use the second half to to uh, okay. freak freak everybody out and stump me. So let me. This one might be kind of. By the way, first but... of all, show people the book first. By the way, show them what it looks. What yeah. a work of art it is. There it so is. Cute. There it's it is, everybody. Get your book. book. Yeah. It's so um, cute. You can get it. <laughs> get it from Amazon. Get wherever you buy books. Get it now. So there this. Let me see if I could cover it so you can't see what it's called. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can I do this much? Hold on. Can you uh, see that? It's a little glary. It's glaring a little bit. So lean it down a little bit so it's not so glary. Can you can you lean it forward so it's not so it's still glaring because you're up against the light. Shoot. Um describe it to me. Let me see. Just the sort of a gross description. Maybe I can figure out what that is. The banner's in the way. I she mean, needs what, to it, hold it, it up. Like, it looked, it looks of, I, I tell you what it looks hold like. Hold it up from, in front of your face, because your face is well lit, so we might be able to see. Say, yeah, I'm turning the brand. Oh. I don't oh, oh, I don't really want to oh. give you wait, let me yeah. let me cover this too. Put it by so your you face so I don't give it away. How's that? Yeah. Too close. Uh, Drew's over okay, to the, okay. yeah. There we go. Now you go. Uh, okay. There you go. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, can you. <laughs> nice nails, by the can, way. You Can you <laughs> kind of des describe to me and tell me, I can't quite see. It, it's hard from this perspective, but can you describe take to me the, where you took take it Drew's out from? Take Drew's box off, Caleb, so it doesn't cut it off. It's all right. It's all right. We're good. Well, it's, it's from the GI track and it's a well-circumscribed, finely. Is it a fecal, fecal lith? Fecal lith? It's close. Uh, but, so a fecalith um, is a, is a fecalith, Susan, is essentially like a, a stool that's become rock. Uh, it's actually oh, it's no. so impacted that it becomes this this rock like thing that gets up in there. 
I, I picked one of those out of the carpet today because the dog pooped underneath. That was because that's a fecal lift. That was, the reason that was a fecal lift is that it's been there a week. It was. Is, I guess that's really stuck too. I I was under the pool table doing that. That's good. Good times. Good, good to know. Uh, Mom so, duties. So what else can you? What other hints can you give me? <clears throat> well, it's part of a psychological disorder. Oh. But you were close uh, with your first guess. Is it the lack? Is it? Is it? Huh. I can't be. Is, is it opiate here. addiction? Is it, is it obstipation from opiate addiction mm -hmm. or something? No. What do you got? No. I, it's hard to see it. So, so you can tell me a little more. Tell me some more. I, um. I'm, or is it? Is it? Uh, you know, phagia of all kinds of odd things, and somebody's eaten a bunch of weird stuff and gotten obstructed yeah. from it. There you go. Yes. So it's a trichobezoar, actually. So it's a, oh, it's a bezoar. Hairball. That's interesting. Yes. yes. So this is a 19-year-old. hair. Yeah. So th this is something I don't, I actually, no, I, I've seen this one time in surgical pathology. So basically if somebody has, um, you know, a compulsion to eat their own hair, the body doesn't really digest it and the and it could just accumulate in the stomach and it forms the shape of the stomach actually when it comes down to surgical pathology. It causes an obstruction and uh the patients, you know, start vomiting because they have all of this hair stuck in their stomach basically and they have to surgically <sighs> remove it. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the, I picked up one of those of yesterday too. <laughs> That's a cat. That's a cat bezoar. I and swear so, to God, <laughs> I'm hitting a hit. But but Nicole, in my world, when I've seen bezoars in the past, it's usually been from an esophageal stricture, and it's usually bezoar just means a, a stock accumulated mass of something, and, and it's usually been accumulated food that doesn't pass through the esophageal stricture. Have you seen that as well? Oh yeah, I've I've seen those. I've yeah. seen um. Yeah, like a phytobezoar, it's called. It's just basically a ball of vegetables, spinach, you know, vegetables spinach and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Th those ones are are more common. Um, but yeah, they, and and then I've gotten such crazy stuff that people, you know, patients with schizophrenia and stuff eat. I I used to get this one guy, um, you know, he would just come. I, I never actually met the patient, of course. I would just get the things that he would swallow, and he. I don't even, he would swallow like um, shards of glass and tips of knives. Like he seriously cut the tips off of knives and um, screws, like really pointy things. And then we would get them and then they, you know, would, they would take them out via endoscopy and then he would be back the next week and get them taken out again. It was so crazy. But yeah, Yowie. people swallow he... lots of weird stuff. Um, Ooh, I used to, I, I, I got a lot of weird foreign bodies like that, like, um, I got a butter knife once, a pen, which I, I think that's a lot of it was from people, you know, trying to make themselves throw up and just, you know, losing mm. their gag reflex from throwing up so much mm -hmm. and sticking things way too far down and then like losing it, you know? Um, yeah, I had a patient really that used to roll, I had a, patient, a, a client that used to, patient used to roll up a belt, swallow it, and then pull the belt out as a way of inducing the vomit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's so crazy. Good times, huh? So, 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 um, Susan and I watched three hours of Vegas jail last night. <laughs> <We did. laughs> three hours of Las Vegas jail. 
And the reason I bring it up is not that we're so nutty, but that it was 100% psychopathology that walked through the jail door. And I was telling her, it's like, no, this is, this is what I, for 30 years, I saw thousands of these people. This is what, they're just not put in the hospital anymore. They're let, allowed to deteriorate to the point that they end up in jail. And the, the, you know, the, the bipolar, meth addicted, alcoholic, et cetera, et cetera. And the behaviors are uh, protein, let's just say. Alcohol makes you crazy sometimes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's the, world, that's the world America's decided they want to be. We, we don't help sick people. Yeah. Um, one of the members of the gross room was a corrections officer, and she she had some insane insight on working there and just the thing. I mean, she would just walk in and have a guy that just like cut himself open and was playing with his intestines and stuff. Just crazy, yeah. crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just it's crazy to yeah. see that, you know, to see that yeah. somebody would do that to could just be sitting there with their bowels in their hands. It's just nuts. Yeah, it, it's this is this is untreated major mental illness, serious mental illness. So uh, one of the things that's sort of been on uh, my audience's uh, radar have been this notion that there's some sort of unusual fibrous or fibrin related clots being seen in autopsies. Uh, that is somehow new, different, related to vaccine therapy or spike proteins or something. I I, I don't know. What, what Have you seen anything like that? I haven't seen anything out of the ordinary that I've seen prior to this as far as that goes. I read an article about that that had to do with um, embalmers would say that they would see it. And I don't know mm -hmm. if it has anything to do with their procedure. But I personally haven't seen anything different as far as the regular, you know, autopsies go on people. I haven't right. done, and, I mean, it's not that I've done hundreds since, since COVID, but I've, I've definitely had my hands in a couple and I haven't seen anything unusual. And in, in terms of the clots you normally see, what do you normally see? So I can uh, at least help people well, understand that. We, we always see clots. I mean, this is, right. it's just the difference is, is it a real clot or is it a post-mortem clot? Because the blood clots. Right. So when it's normally in the vessels, it's kind of like jelly looking. You can kind of pull it out. I, I probably have pictures if you want me to look for them. Um, and then when you look for a real clot, you would look to see if you could say the lines of Zahn. Remember that from pathology class. And like, you could see the fibrin and you could see that it adheres to the wall of the vessel. Like, so if you tug on a little bit, like a, a postmortem clot, if you just grab it, you can like pull it out of a vessel and it just like slides right out. But a, a true clot, like I'm talking about it most importantly, like a pulmonary embolism, that's like the most significant ones we look for. Um, they're, they're a little bit like adherent to the wall of the vessel. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't know what they're talking about because people are looking for stuff sometimes that might not really, ex you know what I mean? Like, right. That's, that, not that's what it looked like to me. I, for me. Yeah. I was very skeptical when I saw what they were describing because I was thinking this does not look that unusual. Now, by the same token, you know, maybe the person died of some sort of consumptive coagulopathy, but that's not weird clots. That's a consumptive coagulopathy. That's, you know, that's something you should be, that's a diagnosis you should be coming to, you know, as a result of the, the path workup. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I, I think every, every dead body has clots in it. 
Like that's because that's just what happens, you know, and I've seen yeah. some weird ones over the years that to the point where like I would show the pathologist and they'd be like, I don't know, just take a section of it and let's look at it under the microscope because it looked a little bit different than the other like a classic mm. postmortem clot, but it also wasn't a, mm -hmm. a PE clot either, you know, so um, mm. I don't know, like I, I don't. I, I can't say because I don't know what, like, I want somebody to be like, here, Nicole, like, look at this. Does this look different? You know? Yeah. If somebody's right, just right. saying it, I don't, I don't know, you know? Yeah. And, and there are different, right? There are clots you can throw from a valve. There are clots you can, there's atherombolic clots from an aortic wall. There is, you know, venous clots that go to the, the pulmonary system. There's all kinds of things that can hurt people that are clotting. And you can get a diffuse consumptive coagulopathy which is what I kind of worry about with COVID these days. But all those things are just, those are diagnoses. Are, those are not some magical, weird clot that they find at, at post. So, okay. Yeah, and I mean, um, post stop me again. clot is in, okay, um, let's see. If I have a good case here, I have lots of good cases, but I'm trying to find one that you might not that might be a little bit difficult for you <laughs> since you normally get it so quick. Em embarrass me. That's the um, name of the game here. Well, okay. And but when you do find the right picture, holding it in front of your face seems to be the thing. And Susan, if I can get a water, that would be amazing. I'd plop down without doing any of that. All right, let's see if you know this one. So this okay. is a funny story. One of my daughter's friends just texted her and was like, oh, I just got your mom's book and I opened it to this picture of someone's butt crack. <laughs> so <here you> go. <laughs> it is okay. someone's butt crack. How fantastic. Oh, nice. Uh, okay, okay. Over to the, take uh, it over to your left. I mean, you're right. Okay. Sorry. I think I know. Go to the right. A little more, a little Sorry, more. I'm kind of like, face. I'm kind of like backwards. Uh, we I'm can't. gonna I'm gonna say that's a rectal fistula. There, perfect. I'm gonna say rect Ooh, I'm gonna say I'm call I'm claiming rectal fistula or a gunshot wound. <laughs> Let me see if I <laughs> what too much anal sex. Uh no, no. Perianal <laughs> either a perianal <laughs> abscess or a rectal fistula. Those are my those are my guesses. No? Okay. Oh Squamous no. CAs? Squamous cancer? You're close, though. No. Yeah. It's a pilonidal cyst. Oh, I'm used to those being more midline. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's yeah, interested, that is what Josh. You yeah, Josh Potter had one, and I I did I cleaned it. I I did a, a a irrigation a drainage on it on camera. You can find it at your mom's house, and the his was so deep it went all the way up his spine. It was it, this. He you should use his pathology report for your next book. They had to they had to splay it open, and it was about ten centimeters. Went oh, almost wow, really? to the bone. He, he just they, just they got just so short painful. of just short of osteoporosis. Just short of it. Yeah, with Chris saying hair cyst. Pilonidal means nest of hair. It's Latin for nest of hair, and it sort of starts as a hair ingrown hair. Somebody called it deviated rectum. Deviated rectum. There you go. We got, we got nothing but comedians here. All right. Well, Nicole, we wanted <laughs> to make, better than butthole jokes. We wanted to make sure to get you in here. I know you've got to run. We want to get you in here to promote the book and to get people to go get it. Hold it up again. 
Nicole and Jemmy's anatomy book. <laughs> True. Thegrossroom.com <laughs> is where you can get it. Uh, there it is. And uh, it's, it's a People work People want to know about your tattoos. It's, oh, they're asking about your tats? What do they want to know? What, what do they want to know? Is that, what do you want to know? tattoo? And I'm like, Yeah, nope, show them your is. neck tat. Um, That's what um, they want to know. Uh, one is, which one's this? There are two of my kids' names. One says Lillian and one says Lucia. Me and Gabe have matching the same ones. My husband. And for those of you that so don't know. Yeah, really Gabe is pretty. a fire chief. They live out in Pennsylvania. and uh, He's a captain at the, um, he's captain, captain. in um, Cam Camden Fire Department, actually in New Jersey on the other side of Philadelphia. And I'm trying to get Nicole to do television for a long time. And one of these days, maybe I can persuade her to. And both she and I, before I let you go, we have been just wondering. I, I think, you know, uh, you're, you know, on, with COVID and all, Nicole and I commiserate with each other what seems to have happened with our peers. It seems like we, it, the, the, they divided into, you know, risk averse and risk tolerant camps, didn't it? It's like people, we, a lot of our peers showed up to just completely risk averse. And as such, made bad decisions because you have to have risk reward thinking at all times, not just risk avoidance. Yeah, I mean, for me, that this whole thing's been really difficult because obviously, like I've seen, I think if you ask an average person how many dead people they've seen, it's not really that many. And um, you know, I was working. Not only did I do all those hospital or the, those autopsies, you know, throughout my training and my career, but also, I used to take care of all the death, the, the, the people that died in the hospital. So it, it was, you know, the one big university hospital I worked at, it was like 600 people a year dying. So I, I saw so many dead people every day. So people dying isn't like huge to me, like people die every day. Um, and that's, that's what that's life, you know, so I don't and, and do you think that's what it is that we've hidden death away? Even even physicians don't get to see death unless you're or a hospice doctor or an internist that deals with death and dying. Yeah. And I just think that I just mm. think, I don't know where we ever came up with the concept that people shouldn't die. It's just, it's just really yeah. crazy to me. So, I mean, obviously yeah. if, if you can prevent, you know, people from dying as much as possible, but you know, I've heard just crazy things like one death is too many and this and that. And it's just like, come on. And, and, it's become this obsession with the death count on the news. You know, I don't know if that's happening as much anymore, but it was like every single day we were, I was getting mm -hmm. like an email from my County saying how many people were diagnosed, how many people died. And it's just like, if you did that for any other disease at any time, it would be very significant and striking as well. Like yes. it's just, so that kind of stuff just was like driving me nuts because it was, it's always been a reality to me that that happens yes. and um, they went that's a, why, a little Nicole, lot I, of overboard. Yes. Yes. And that's why I, I keep this textbook on my, on my uh, desk here to help people understand that people die of these things. This is, you know, thousands of pages of things that if, if you knew about and started worrying about, you would not be able to get through your day. You wouldn't be able to do it. And, yeah, and this, and and, then, and this is just infectious diseases of children only. And it's, you know, this kind of tome. And that's probably that just shit volume happens. one. <laughs> right. It was, these were yeah, the smallest ones I could find. Yeah. And I totally, um, 
you know, my book is like over what, what is there? 103 cases or something in my book. And that one of them has to do with COVID. It's just like, well, one, <laughs> one guy was able right. to get, you know, he wasn't able to get treatment like when he, you know, maybe right away because of it. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, there's, there's hundreds of other things that people deal with every day. And it's just kind of exhausting at this point to just talk. I mean, it's, it's almost 2023 and we're talking about COVID-19 still, you know, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, mm -hmm. it's called 19 because this is how long we've been dealing with it. Um, not to say that there's not some, um, you know, obviously caution with it and everything like that, but people are just completely have gone off the rockers and it's, and I'm just trying to be like normal over here. <laughs> I mean, think about yes, me uh -huh. being normal is scary. <laughs> <laughs> and Nicole the new normal. Is the normal one. Yeah, it's interesting. Know, right? Everyone else goes off their rocker. You start looking pretty sane there, honey. So and, you, and so, you like always talk about being in upside down world and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's upside down world when Nicole's the normal one. So. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Uh, I know you have to go. Uh, somebody on the restream just said, check out Dr. Malhotra. And uh, he is interviewed today by Dr. John Campbell. I have a podcast with Dr. Malhotra that I promise you is better than is not, this is not to be critical of Dr. Campbell, but the stuff that Malhotra and I get into, I think you'll learn a lot more. We talk for an hour. It's dropping on Thursday on the Dr. Drew podcast. That is Dr. Asim Malhotra, a cardiologist who has some very important observations about vaccine therapy and COVID and whatnot. So, Nicole, great job. Good luck with the book. Nicole and Jimmy's Anatomy book, and hopefully we'll talk to you very soon. Awesome. Thank you. See you All right. Later. See you soon. And we'll come back, and we will be taking your calls after the break. Consumer price index yet again going up. Stock market in turmoil. What's our government doing to quell the surge of inflation that is gutting American families? Oh, yeah, they're spending more money and adding to the burden. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings get decimated. It's time to do something about this. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew. Now, I don't give investment advice, but you can visit birchgold, B-I-R-C-H, gold.com slash Drew. Birchgold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Great people with almost 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't let your savings lose value. Visit birchgold.com slash true and claim your free no obligation info kit from Birch Gold. You can own physical gold and silver in a tax sheltered retirement account and Birch Gold will help you do it. Birch Gold has an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five star reviews and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out now. Visit birchgold.com slash true and secure your future with gold. Do it now. For a long time, I've been talking about the holy grail of skincare, Genucel, and the amazing results that both Susan and I have seen. I'm a big fan of Genucel's Silky Smooth XV. It's a moisturizer soaked right into my skin instantly, and with its immediate effects, I saw fine lines and wrinkles visibly disappear within 12 hours. Susan loves Genucel's vitamin C serum, infused with the purest vitamin C, absorbs to the deepest layer of the skin thanks to Genucel's proprietary skincare technology. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great. 
I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time, and I'm so excited because it's actually working. And right now, Genesil has bundled my favorite products and Susan's for you to try today for up to 60% off retail pricing. That's right. Save up to 60% on my favorite Genucel products today. Just go to genucel.com slash Drew to see what's in our bundles and receive an extra 10% off at checkout when you enroll in their personal concierge at checkout. That again is genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are going to be taking calls off Twitter spaces. If the, those of you who are there listening, if you want to ask a question, you just uh, raise your hand to be a everybody a peek at your your bobblehead. I will just a second a speaker, and uh, I will call you up to uh, ask question, and you'll be streaming out on multiple platforms: Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, Facebook, YouTube. So don't be mad if you see yourself later or hear or, yourself wherever later. Wherever we uh, do it. Uh, so this, Susan, why don't you talk about this? Why don't I talk about it? Yeah. It's actually available for the holidays, you know, if you want to get that little stocking stuffer for your family member or whatever. But anyways, you can um, still get them. They're available at drdrew.com slash shop. And um, we'll, we're going to have some discounts coming up soon, I think. I don't know. I have to ask. Oh, he's got, a, he's got $5 off. On There's the, a discount. Yeah, if you use code Dr. Drew. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to be uh, pushing those for the holiday. There you go. So don't forget. Because they sat in a container all through Christmas last year. So I thought we'd give it a shot this time. I think it was like just like barely, it. just slightly late uh, last year for everyone for their holidays. So now it's it's the great opportunity. Great. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I am reading your retweets and your restreams and your rumble rants. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Just don't put it in your butt. It's a lot of... Um, Oh my God. There's a lot of uh, talk. It just about cracks me up, Nicole, with all her things. You know, she's, she's seen a lot of things like that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, she has. Uh, a lot of talk about the so called fibrous clots. We, Nicole and I did talk about that, and she says she's not seeing anything out of the ordinary. And because they're not giving us the cytopathology, like really looking at it under a microscope, we have no idea what those things are. We have no way of telling. It's, it's sort of a. Somewhat of a false flag. I, I I don't think it's something we should be paying a lot of attention to. Now, the the one thing that I think is a po real possibility is that people are getting a low level what's called consumptive coagulopathy, which is platelets aggregating throughout the body. We that we know that's what happened to me from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and maybe in certain situations that's getting a little bit out of control. Maybe that's causing or associated with death somehow. Though generally that doesn't cause death by itself. So be that as it may. Again, if you want to come up here and ask questions, just raise your hand and uh, I will see you. I know a few of you are listening there. Uh, we can talk about any topic you wish. It doesn't have to all be COVID. Doesn't have to, we're, we're moving off of Nicole and Jemmy and Gross Anatomy and talking about the things we usually talk about. Malhotra, who, whom you will hear on Thursday, was very interesting. He said they are seeing more supraventricular arrhythmias. If you heard Kelly and I yesterday, we were talking about the incidence of atrial fibrillation, which is 
clearly and shown in good research to be on the increase. But it is not just atrial fibrillation. These rapid, you know, your heart has four chambers, two on top, two on the bottom, and your heartbeat generates from the top. And if there's something irritating the top, it starts firing off uncontrollably and moving through the AV node into the ventricles. And you get these rapid, regular rhythms that are like, you know, like this for no good reason if you're just standing quietly. And those are can become dangerous. Uh, and they sometimes have to be, they have to be treated in essentially all cases. So you have to take medication. And often we, here's what he and I talked about, we're often seeing that people need uh, what's called ablation, which is they go in with a wire through the leg and feed it up to the heart, map out where the electrical discharge is coming from and burn that area of the heart. And that is something really unusual in young people. I'm used to doing that kind of thing in, in older folk, but that has been up lately in young people. He confirmed that. He confirmed a theory that, again, it's not been substantiated yet, but he is seeing evidence and apparently has some papers coming that show there seems to be some accelerated coronary disease. His own father died of it. I'm worried that Megan Kelly's sister died of it. You know, her sister in her early 50s had a heart attack suddenly yesterday. So we're worrying that we're seeing some sort of accelerated coronary disease caused by something related to the spike protein. So there, and of course, he also confirmed the myocarditis incidents, which we talked about, if you listen to Thursday's podcast, you can get it at drdrew.com. We talked about the fact that myocarditis before vaccine therapy was essentially always viral myocarditis. I mean, there's other causes, but what we would see was viral. And it was a dire emergency, and it was highly likely to be associated with needing a cardiac transplant, complete destruction of the cardiac muscle. Now, we are not seeing that with the vaccine, but there's fear that we will see it down the road or we will see some sort of intrinsic vascular pathology as well. So there's still lots of questions. And the, the thing that is, you know, every time I interview one of these really high quality physicians, we, he or she and I always end up in the same places. Why is there not more data being collected as fast as possible? Why is that not an, an urgent situation? And you'll see Dr. Campbell, who has uh, interviewed Dr. Malhotra today, uh, is, and yesterday his, his, uh, he was interviewing one of the MPs, and it's the same question. Why is there not better research? Why isn't it being pursued? What is going on here? And if you listen to some of the people that I've been talking to, they would say that there's too cozy a relationship with Big Pharma, and Big Pharma doesn't want to. I don't know if that's true or not. There is definitely, I've come to understand, too cozy a relationship with Big Pharma, that's for sure. Uh, but exactly why they're not doing proper research that is just usual standard, would be standard fare in, in a normal day. In fact, I saw something fascinating today. I saw a headline that said, because there was some new IVM data out that shows it doesn't work, and I'm not surprised by that. I mean, again, Kelly differs from me on this. I just don't think it does very much. And uh, and it was, oh, there's Dr. Malhotra there with Dr. John, with, uh, Dr. Campbell, John Campbell. And this headline read, uh, conservative favored medication or something like that, or conservative touted medication. I was deeply insulted. When is a medication political? Why does a medication have a left or a right anything to it? In what world is there a medicine that is left-leaning or right-leaning that you stay out of my profession? Stay the hell out of my profession. That, that is ridiculous to imply that we're using medication because of some political perspective. That is disgusting. 
Oh my God. Uh, so anyway, that that's the that shows you the press bias. They were biased against doctors doing things. That's for sure. So let's bring up. Uh, I'm not sure Markham. Let's see if we can get the pronunciation correct. Um, bring you guys, and you're not muted at this point. You seem to be ready to talk. Let's see what your question is. What's going on? Hey, hey, hey Doctor Drew. Thanks for uh, taking the call. You I've uh, enjoyed listening to you for the years uh, of my life, even in high school. And you and Adam were back on, but. Uh, Wanted to say, um, you know, thank you for doing this. Thank you for putting a spotlight on this topic and asking logical questions. You know, there's not a lot of people like you out there that are just voicing what a lot of us are hoping more do. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just say regarding, um, you know, if this is real and some of these concerns you have, uh, what are the risks of it shedding or any sort of like transmitting? If you choose to not be vaccinated, but you're around someone who was, say, boosted recently, you know, skin contact, saliva, anything you can give me on uh, that no, topic? No, I, I don't understand. I've heard people ask this question. I don't understand how a spike protein can be transmitted. It's not a virus. It's a protein. And vi you need the virus to get inside the cells, and the protein just sits there. Uh, so I can't imagine. It's, it's not like a live virus vaccine, like a whole virus that's been attenuated there are certain vaccines that have that quality, and you don't want to be around immunocompromised people when you're shedding virus. But now, the, could the any mRNA, of the mRNA, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, the mRNA vaccines. I I don't know. It has to be shot unless I mean, I can't even imagine a situation where it gets in because that's why it has to be taken in a, in the form of a hypodermic syringe. You have to put it deep in the muscle for it to uh, be transmitted. So yeah, I, I guess I've heard some of the issues where like it, you know, getting out of the muscle and into the blood and that's yes, it does. things. And yeah. It does. And so, yeah, I just, I'm hearing a lot of this and it's a concern of some people I know. And so, yeah, I just want to bring it up just to say, you know, Hey, I don't know if it's real or not. No, and, uh, I appreciate I, you, no, uh, no. your feedback on that. Uh, you you yeah. would, you could see how we'd have lots of transmission because there's lots of vaccinated people and there's no transmission of anything. Uh, and there are whole virus uh, vaccines out there like Covaxin. I would like to take Covaxin if I were to take a vaccine. And that even that one, you don't shed virus. It, the mRNA again, the mRNA virus is highly lipophilic. It 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 stays in the cells. It doesn't get out, and there's no way to get out. It's I mean, if you took your blood and inject it into another person or transfused it, well then maybe. But there's no no routine way that could be transmitted that I can that I can see. Uh, Tim, what's going on? Anybody else have questions? Just come up and raise your hand. And Somebody we'll said, did you there. see all that Biden said today to get COVID vaccine to protect others? Oh, jeez. Well. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Susan Susan has been uh, taking notes on all the things she has learned here since we uh, started doing no, this. No, it's just, I was just thinking on the way to when I, where I went today. I was like, you know, if we get on the, if we get on our trip and they say, you know, are you vaccinated? And why didn't you get the other booster? I'm going to say, because it doesn't protect other people. It's, right. you know, it it's not, not even. And it doesn't. And as you see, Dr. Walensky. It doesn't help you. Why Dr. do you care? Dr. Walensky got it and then got COVID three weeks later. And so it doesn't prevent you from getting infected. It doesn't prevent you from infecting other people. It just doesn't. And so I, it, it, I believe in elderly people, it does prevent more serious complications. I really do believe that. I think that fits my clinical experience. It fits the, it fits the data. And the question isn't, does it help? The question is, is the risk reward worth it? That is the question. Is the risk you're taking worth the reward you get? And if you're 32 or 25, 
I'm not sure Maybe because not. there's almost no risk to the illness. There's some risk to the vaccine. Maybe that's not a diathesis you want to do. You have to talk to your doctor about that. Don't worry about grandma. No, grandma's going to get it either way. And let's make sure she has Paxlovid on, on hand and that she's been properly boosted up. Yeah. But I mean, we've all been boosted, so we should not all die of it. You know, it's it's less of a chance. Well, there are immune evading viruses coming our way. And so there may not be some any real significant use of the vaccine. But again, we do have therapeutics. And the, the really well, the scarier thing is we Mostly don't... for older people, though. The Paxlovid, right? No, what I'm saying is if these immune evading viruses really take hold, we will be using Paxlovid in younger people because it's also evading the currently available monoclonal antibodies. And that is kind of concerning because we like to have a few things on hand to help people. But the monoclonal antibodies will catch up with that. I guarantee it. They will show up. Uh, Tim, you know, maybe meet yourself there and uh, go ahead and ask your question. Tim. Hi, thanks for having me on. You bet. Uh, Calling from Australia here, um, uh, was a part of the 263-day lockdown in Victoria. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of just curious in looking further into the how governments uh, shifted their focus from originally, obviously, we're all concerned about, you know, what was going to happen. We didn't know what this thing was. The fear campaign that seemed to be just propagated right. and pushed and encouraged. Right. How much were they fearful in the process? Because we talk about this idea of okay, were they stupid, incompetent, were they money driven? How much of it was fear driven for them? Just as much. I think a lot of them. Um, were, I, I agree. I think a lot of them were were had bad judgment and therefore and, and were risk aversive. And as we talked with Nicole and had never seen death and dying and had never seen real medical illness and so didn't have a, a frame of reference to make a judgment on how serious or not it was. And yeah, I do believe there were people that were very scared and they were, were making their decisions not from objective data like you're supposed to. They're making it out of fear. Yeah, I think so. But it's lasted for so long, though. Like it's still I continuing. I know. it's it's What I don't understand, the really hard part for me is people that cling to the notion that lockdowns worked I, I, I or that masking we had, worked What's we that? had curfews we had five kilometer or three mile you know yeah i know areas that we could travel like it was the level of crazy went off the charts yeah. where we were yeah and, um, and in the virus the virus respiratory viruses can't be controlled that way we know that and so they they only made the attempt because they were convinced by as far as i can tell they're chinese companions, their Chinese um, colleagues, who were totally and still are completely convinced that that's an effective way. And what I'm hearing on the DL out of China is that the distribution of the virus is far more vast than anyone's willing to admit. That it's, it's just doing what it does. The virus does what it does. Yeah. You can maybe kind of slow it a little bit. And so at the beginning, I was sympathetic. I was like, okay, we, you know, we got to do something and you want to slow it down. And okay, we'll get to a vaccine and okay. And then it just kept going and going and going, and it and it was so clear that there was not good evidence, there was no evidence for it, and that people were making things up out of whole cloth that no nothing like this had ever been contemplated in human history, and that it would have dire harms, and I mean the harms were so obvious from the beginning, and 
like Nicole said, one death is too many was a, a weird philosophy yeah. that some of these people developed and was just unrealistic. It's a pandemic. The pandemic is defined by excess death. So there are going to be deaths. And we just want to try to mitigate, reduce, you know, do everything we can that we know works, which is protecting risk populations, quarantining sick people, do the things that don't cause excess harm and excess death on the other side. But, you know, I've talked to people that were inside various White Houses and the the hubris, uh, the, the uh, fury with which this was being pursued and could not be assailed to stop, to think about, to consider other options. And the destruction that was aimed at anyone who dared to raise their hand and ask for something different, that's the, that's the craziness part of this. That's where the really... Woo, that's where it was. You would have been fired immediately. Yeah, I would have been fired at the White House. That's true. What's that? That's just, that's just not science, not being able to question things. No, and the crazy, that, it's still we're having trouble with it. That's why I take it on this, yeah. pot, this stream and to try to just put interesting people in who have been silenced because I want to hear what everybody's got to say. I want to draw Well, we got silenced by YouTube a few hundred times, so yeah. we know how it feels. It sucks. Yeah. But, you uh, know. I also query in regards to, so kind of a bit of a follow-on from last week mm. um, where there was a lot of talk about just feeling so depressed and yes. dissociated yes. and down yes. and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Is my, my father, who's a psychologist or was, um, several years back talked to me about how there's, in all relationships, there, there's often this kind of concept of a parent-child relate component to it. Yeah. And I dare say that there's the same thing that's gone on with governments and and the citizens in regards to the relationships being damaged. Mm -hmm. um, you know, wh wh whether it's a, a partner that's cheated on you or a parent that's abused you or whatever, that there's a relationship there of somebody who controls you, who you look for to support you and care for you, but they've not really, you know, for a lot of people, they feel like they've been damaged by that in that relationship right and and what you're talking about is trust and yes, and i'm absolutely. hearing that constantly from young people is that they don't know who to trust now and they don't know what's the use what's the purpose why bother because the things that are meaning making don't seem so meaningful right now and that's where this weird feeling of anhedonia and helplessness is is sort of coming from and i'm very 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 concerned about it so uh, thank you, uh, Tim. I appreciate the, the comments. I, I don't remember if I mentioned it on this show, but Susan and I were watching uh, a documentary about Gilda Radner from about three or four years ago. And they panned on to this audience in a theater. I actually saw Gilda Radner's one-woman show in 1978, and I remember it, and I remember being there, and, I, and they panned this audience. And I normally have tremendous disdain. Dis I hate the 1970s. I feel like it was the most depressing, awful... Every, there was crime and there was racism and there was um, horrible car design and horrible architecture and and we destroyed great things like Penn Station. I mean, they're just stupid, horrible decade. But they panned across the audience and what did I say, Susan? What what, what was my reaction looking at that? Oh my god, audience? that's me. No, no, no. Other than that, I, what was I saying about the people I saw there? And I had a, I had a reaction. I had a really emotional yeah, reaction. It really yeah. bothered me. You remember what I said? No. Uh. I was up looking closely to see if I could see you in the I know. crowd. <laughs> what I said was, you'll remember this. I said, look, they seem, they're vital. 
They're they're oh, they're true. dressed like shit and the hair looks like shit, but they're they're into it. Yeah, but they're, they're going to go to Studio Fifty Four tonight, and they're on dates, and they're out, and they're seeing Gilda Radner. No, you said Dewey that stuff. when the Studio Fifty Four scene yeah, came on. Yeah, I said the, the vitality. Well, that's when it came out of my mouth. You're right. The vitality does not exist. They've taken our vitality and made people flat, and that is a dangerous place for humanity to sit I'm, I'm really bothered by it and particularly young people are, are deeply affected by this I, I don't know what else to call it but anhedonia so uh bring Catherine up here i i'm really really bothered by this it's not fair to do that to an entire generation it's it's sort of disgusting to me that we've done that so uh Catherine, wow. what's going on there you unmute your speaker your microphone and okay uh, there you are what's up yeah hi doc thanks for taking my mm -hmm. question i'm so confused if the spike protein from the virus is so toxic to mm. the elderly, and mm. we know that the vaccine instructs your cells to make spike protein, mm -hmm. why are repeated doses at such short intervals not be more problematic? Yeah, it's, it's, that is a great example of how medicine is not, doesn't always follow intuition or logic. That's why we have to test everything. It is just simply the case that the complications from the vaccine are seem to be significantly less in older people. And very at, at very least, if there are any, the risk of the illness is so much more significantly powerful in those populations that these side effects that we are seeing are well worth the risk. And I don't and I think it has a function of not just the spike protein being somehow directly toxic. It's the spike protein activation of the immune system. And as you age, your immune system is less robust. It's less active. And I've, I've been sort of thinking to myself that something like that is what's going on here. So the myocarditis is maybe a secondary phenomenon, not the spike protein itself, but the immune activation caused by the spike protein. Does that make sense? It does. I just, I'm still so confused. I don't know if you listened to Ryan Cole, the pathologist's latest interview, who was saying it's the vaccine that it suppresses your immune system. I mean, there's so many theories out now. Stephanie right. Seneff, I found her very compelling, by the way. Yeah. So, um, so I too, I'm concerned that there's something like that going on. We, first of all, we have to establish that there really is excess death. So far, the excess deaths are all built on models, and you know how shitty models can be. So we right. have to establish there are excess death. Then we have to then we have to establish exactly what are the illnesses that are causing that. And then I worry. I worry about two things. I worry about what you're worrying about. I worry that there is some immune alteration and that we're seeing cancers. But that should be more in the older population, like you say. That should be as you get older. That's where the genetic errors associated with cancer are more likely to occur. And so why aren't we seeing that? And could it be accelerated heart disease? Well, yeah, Megan Kelly's sister died yesterday. I'm really worried that that's going to be a significant problem. But it, it, the, the biggest mystery of all, Catherine, is why we're not rushing to look at this, why this yeah. isn't a, a national priority. Forget, well, you know, Jake Tapper wants us to talk about the consequences of school closure, which is obvious. It was obvious from the beginning. Uh, there's no conversation needs to be had, but this is something that really needs to be answered as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. and just real quick, I found Edward Dowd's research now on mm. the insurance actuaries. Very interesting to listen to. Did you hear, is that the interview I did with him you're talking about? 
I'm sorry. Did you see the interview I did with him? No. Oh, you have an interview with him? Yeah, yeah we had almost up. a million views. Yeah, a million views. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. he really I'll got the ball up. rolling. Yeah, just look around at drdrew.com. You'll is, Okay. Is it uh, Caleb? Yeah, is you it, can find it on YouTube. Well, or, show it. Yeah. Caleb, put it up here so she can see it. Uh, I'm so finding it right now. You if right you now. actually yeah, we had just, a really good conversation. If they just go, if she just goes go to youtube.com slash Dr. Drew, it's the featured video right now. She can go and see it. And you can just also see these at drdrew.com. Does that go to right. YouTube, Caleb, when you click on it? I'll, I, I have links on there. It'll show you. Yeah. So again, thank I, you. Look, but look at everything. There's a lot of noise, Catherine, a lot of noise. I don't know what to do with all this yet. I, I'm not, I'm, all I've been able to do through talking to everybody is piece together the craziness that was happening and the concerted effort to silence anybody who raised their hand and had a question, which was to me the the really the evil part of all this. That that that's the craziness of this. What exactly we're doing, what exactly has happened. I you know, I I've I've clarity over 75, I have some some understanding over age 65. I understand using packs of it over age age 65. When you get in the younger populations, I know what to do with monoclonal antibodies. I know what to do with steroids. I know that there are certain things we can maybe get some benefit from, but the Omicron hasn't really needed very much, really, although I've seen some nasty Omicron. Um, so I'm not quite sure what we're doing. We, it, it has yet to be sorted out. Well, what are we doing with younger people? And then what is the burden? Is there any burden of indiscriminate vaccine therapy above age 12. And I will say it again here, I've said a million times, which is vaccine therapies are usually targeted. They are Shingrix, shingles vaccine right. for people over the age of 60. It's pneumonia vaccine for people over the age of 60. I don't give those to 12 year olds. It's yellow fever vaccine for people traveling to endemic areas. I don't give it to my kids who are sitting in Pasadena. I, it doesn't make any sense to me that this is the one and only vaccine that is completely indiscriminately distributed, even though the primary illness is in the adult. Here's the Ed Dowd interview. There you can see him right now with uh, Dr. Kelly Victory also. He's the obviously the gentleman, other gentleman on the screen here with us. Interesting guy, smart guy. And uh, he's not a medical professional, not, but he has a lot of data, a lot of data. And he's a data guy. And uh, I don't know. It's interesting. You see what he has to say. See what you think of it. Uh, I don't I don't okay. yet. OK, Catherine, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, let's keep going. Here's lots of questions uh, flying around here. Uh, here we go. Trying to get uh, Betsy up here. OK, Betsy, what's going on? Hi. Hey there. Um, okay, so my question is like kind of health related, but not really. Okay. Um, so I like need to get eight to nine hours of sleep a night. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, I basically just won't get out of bed. Like I work from home. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of okay if I do that, um, which is probably contributing to the problem. But like I got five hours of sleep last night and I know that a normal adult is able to like get up and do the day, but I literally just stayed in bed all day and just like couldn't do anything. And and why five hours? What happened? Um, I was up printing last night. I'm like a photographer. So sometimes I'm up late, but not often, maybe only like once a month. And why could you just couldn't sleep past daylight or something or. Oh, I had to call at nine o'clock. Ah, okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. So, so it's not like your mood's off and you're having early awakening can't go back to sleep, that kind of thing. 
physically shut down if I don't get a certain okay. amount of sleep. Is that normal or am I a normal person or am I Well, it, dep it depends what you need by normal. I mean, I, you know, I, that's kind of a word that I try to avoid as much as I can. But let, let's just ask some questions. H have you had this your whole life? Yes. Do you know if you're getting effective sleep? In other words, do we know, are you dreaming normally? Are you thrashing about? Do you wake up and the bed is completely torn apart? Do you sleepwalk? Is there anything about your sleep? Yeah. <laughs> no, I sleep like a rock. Like uh, nothing nothing can convince me to, to not sleep. <laughs> and you have deep sleep. It's, it is comical. And, and so, and how about dreaming? Do you have dreaming? Yeah, I have like really like vivid dreams that are not like scary or anything. Okay. And you're not getting up and walking or anything of that sort. No, couldn't convince me to do that. Do you have any <laughs> do you have any medical problems? No, none. Medication? None. I I you you could get a sleep evaluation just to make sure your sleep cycling is normal, but I don't know what you would do about it, even if you're having excess deep sleep, because this seems to be just you. You've always been this way. And so to, to that, it, you may not be normal in the sense of the bell curve distribution of sleep experiences, but it sounds normal for you. So I'm just being a brat is what you're saying. No, no, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. That is, <laughs> that is categorically not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you may be, look, there are people that only need four hours of sleep a night. And, and even though, you know, you know, the medical system announces everybody needs eight hours of sleep tonight to clear out those neurofibrillatory tangles and you're going to get dementia if you don't get adequate sleep. There are people that sleep four hours a night their entire life and they're fine and they live long lives without dementia. You're the other end of that spectrum. It's a spectrum, right? It's a, it's a, it's a bell curve. Most people are in that seven, eight hour zone. You're in the nine, 10 hour zone. Other people are in a four hour zone and that's okay. It's just, it's inconvenient, but it's, it's you. Yeah, it definitely is inconvenient. <laughs> do, you, do you exercise? Yeah, like a normal amount. I'm not like, I'm going to go to the gym, yeah. but I like walk every day. I mean, that's the only thing. I, you, know, you could get one of these watch, these devices that monitor your sleep. You can sort of see what your sleep hygiene is like. You could exercise more or change the qualities of exercise might help you a little bit. But this is really just around the margin. It's just around the margin. You're, you're still going to be an eight or nine hour night sleeper. So, so what? So what? So fine. So good. Right? This is just how God made me. It's how God made you. That's right. <laughs> You're a perfect entity. And God made you okay. that way. Okay? All right. All right. All right. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Susan, you're a little bit. You're kind of. No, you're not, not so much these days, though. What? You used to be more that way. Like what? A, an eight-hour sleeper. Yeah, but I I think I had menopause for a really long time. I wouldn't sleep, and I just felt like dog do the next day. Right, right, right. Because when you sweat all night, and then you don't. You wake up 15 times and then you have to wake up and drive kids to school and go to the ice rink and go, you know, be a mom. It's it's a lot of work. Felt like dog do. Uh, Winston, what's going on there? Hey, what's happening, Dr. Drew? Hey, man. Just wanted to uh, ask a question about the conversation you were having earlier about mm. the uh, the clots. Yes. And, um, you, you know, and, and the whole thing kind of got me wondering, you know, we talk about how much kind of flack is out there right now. And it's, it's been really kind of curious to me to see what they allow through and what is instantly censored and shut down Yes, for disinformation. It is so weird, I, isn't it? Yeah, Very it's kind of like that, uh, you know, the Hitchens razor, like what can be, you know, proposed without evidence can be dismantled without it. But when I see the treatments that seem to be showing some real promise getting you know absolutely shut down the i word and so on and so forth versus a lot of these kind of wild claims that are, are flying around and I, I just wanted to get 
I don't know, strap on your tinfoil for me. And uh, what would be your guess as to why they're allowing some of the wild claims versus not? It, Caleb, you've talked to them. Do you want to address this? Uh, you're talking about, are you talking about YouTube specifically? Censorship. Yeah, well, we have censorship Rumble specifically? now. So I want to just uh, give a shout out to them. But let's see what Winston's talking about. Winston, is it, is it the YouTube censorship? Well, it's kind of censorship as a whole. I look at how, you know, Twitter, YouTube, the big kind of Each tech is oligarchy. Different. Each is you different. Know, so on, let's honestly, talk about YouTube. But they we, were all uniform on... A, they are all uh, uniform on IVM and HCQ. They're exactly. all uniform on that. Yeah. And, and Caleb has some insight into that. So go ahead. Honestly, I think that, that some platforms, they allow the like super extreme crazy stuff so that they can point to those things and say, hey, this is what we're trying to get off of our yeah. platform as opposed in, in there. But then they get to sweep in like 50 other degrees of things in whenever they get rid of those. It's like if they it's when you label someone yeah. a conspiracy theorist, it's the same thing. It's like, well, if you just toss, toss out the word conspiracy theorist on someone, well, then a good portion of people will be like, oh, okay, you should just ban them. They're just conspiracy theorists without ever looking into it. So it, I think it's a tactic there. I also think 100%. that some of the changes recently are because more evidence is coming out about this stuff and it's hard for them to deny it. And they might be afraid that they're going to start getting sued for it, like what uh. was happening, I believe, in New York, where just today there was news about, I think it was a bunch of firefighters that had to one, at least a They've part really, of their yeah. lawsuit to get their jobs back because they didn't want to get vaccinated. And it was and, their choice. And their back pay. pay. And exactly. back pay. Back pay, exactly. Back pay. So, so it's a that's going to start happening. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is happening. And Pam uh, Popper's doing that. That's yes, everybody should. We talked to Pam Popper. All yesterday, the lawyers should do that. Who, who's doing a lot of these same kinds of cases? And Which it, isn't it is, anti-vaccine. Um, it's just pro-choice. It's it's anti-mandate. That's all it is. Let right. people choose. Hundred percent. Right. It's right. like the the Alex Jones syndrome. You know, like you, you kind of let him go, and then you ban him because any rational person would be like, "Well, yeah, I mean, the Sandy Hook thing, absolutely ban him. I'm okay with that one." And then that kind of opens the door for we did it once the precedent's been set and i, I kind of get that that vibe with um I, I don't know using them as an example of why we're trying to censor things you know the the nanobots and the blood pots and all that type of thing yeah yeah it's, it's just so extreme and so far out there yeah i i worry i worry about all extremes right now I really do. Have you seen that Johns Hopkins paper that was sort of a war game on a pandemic? Like in oh, the SARS pandemic? Yeah. Oh, have absolutely. You, have you read that thing? Line for line. And, you know, here's what's really fun. You get that and then just do a keyword search on it, you know, and, and type in vaccine injury and X, Y, and Z. And, and then you look at the timelines that they have on it. And here's the, well, <laughs> this is going to, you got to hear this part. It, yeah. In the pandemic exercise, the sitting president, steps down halfway through their term due to cognitive difficulties. <laughs> you, you can't make this stuff up. Like it, it seriously oh ruined God. fiction for me. Oh my God. So what, what tell people what that is and what, what, what the, the arc was, because it's almost exactly what had happened. and is happening. I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. I was like, it, I it's, it's truly striking. So, and again, I'll, I'll qualify this. Any, you know, the event 201, have you heard of that one? No. Okay, okay, well, that one's even more, this one will be even more exciting, but they, they do these war games, these German war games, right. and these are put on by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, John right. Hopkins, as you would right. expect global right. health to do. Right. And they kind of game plan what would happen. Well, in this one, um, in event 201 specifically, now this one was done October before 
COVID broke. So October and this one, 2019. Correct. Yeah. And this one, they've got a video up, a website. You can watch it, and it's how global business can work together and facilitate things. And this one was, wouldn't you know it, a new novel coronavirus that breaks out across the world. Yeah. And I mean, it's just been line for line. And with the, uh, the SPARS pandemic, it's been even kind of creeper. But in that one, they go into real good detail about how they can stop misinformation, right. how they can, because in the pandemic, they get a vaccine. And, oh, well, you know, the... Uh, the black community is not uptake with the vaccine is bad because people are talking about Tuskegee. So we can reach out to hip hop people and have them push vaccines in their community. And then there's even a, uh, I think the the character's name in the, in the story was Epi girl who was like an online blogger and was compiling reports of vaccine injuries and how they were trying to censor her. And it's wild. Well, it, when I read it, it was so close to what was actually happening. It, 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 forget the fact that it was weirdly clairvoyant. It seemed to be their playbook. Like it's all there. 100%. Yeah. They're, they're, that's what they're doing is all the things that they say they should do in that playbook. And it includes censoring people. And they go so far, though, as to say that there will be a huge backlash and a great consequence from all of it. Did you and see all that find, part? Yeah. Well, the backlash happens too. And they, they break the vaccine injury court in this. And they, they end up doing author, authorizations. They talk about EUA, but they do authorizations for more payments. And the um, what, what is it? Um, some, uh, some cognitive something. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the term that starts to happen, uh, like mad cow disease, basically, whatever that would be. Yeah. The, the vaccine was, was causing that in children. Yes. And, and that was the big backlash. And I mean, honestly, like... When I see anything like that, I'm like, well, first thing I think, of course, they would want to war game this yeah. because that's kind of what they do. Yeah. And then as things start lining up, I find it harder and harder to kind of steel man their point. Like, well, maybe they just knew it would be a coronavirus. Uh, maybe they knew this you know, yeah. because it's yeah. so uncanny. Well, but I think, I think rather than reasoning from the place of, of, uh, the, the story they set for themselves, think more in terms of their response and, and how much that their response in this story is exactly what they said it was going to be. And that, well, that to and me the, is the part that's the smoking gun. And the state doesn't really know anything other than that kind of response. They don't really know compassion. They know control. I, I right. kind of firmly, I, I'm cynical as it may be. Yeah. Well, and when you know, one of your, Earlier callers was talking about the lockdowns in Sydney and China yeah. and how it's still going on. Like, yeah. it's not about the virus. And like, I, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think it ever was. It, I, it seems I, to be about control. I, I, I can't accept that. You may be right. I'm prepared to say you're right, but I, I can't accept that. Uh, I, it's a very minimum, though, people that don't mind exerting control of other people and seem to kind of like it. And there are well, people that don't like doing that. I've noticed that. Taking advantage of a disaster. Yeah, did you see that? What's that? You never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah. You know? What's but that, Caleb? It's it's like take it there. It's almost. I I don't believe fully. I, it, look, it doesn't matter to me if it was a lab leak or if it was something that happened in nature. It, the fact of the matter is that a lot of people rushed in to get agendas pushed through that they've yeah. been looking for a yes. a way to get this 
pushed. Like they've been, and that's like, well. this is our chance. They're like, this is our chance to get people locked down. This is our chance to, to get people wearing masks. This is our chance to like get equality. I think, you know, with I housing think it so is more, can, you know, Caleb, I think it is more that they practiced it. They prepared for it. And thanks Winston. I put you back in the audience. I got to keep going for more. I calls. like that guy. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Like um, but I think it's more that they, they practice it. They prepared for it and their moment came and they went, yep, Hey, exactly. We've been, we've been modeling this and this is how it's going to go and you got to listen to us because we've war gamed this a number of different ways and they can't think about it different I'm, I'm imagining military strategists change direction when things aren't working that's what i'm imagining yep. and these people couldn't do that and that's why they failed so miserably and that's their level of incompetence so anyway i've said enough uh, Whatever read. happened with that whole Chinese thing that you saw in the news the other day? Charlie I didn't see Europe. anything advertised. Which what thing? I didn't see anything in the news. What thing are you talking about? You said they found some. Um, they found some people. That, it came out in the news, and you said what? Some, something happened where they found some Chinese people that were doing no good. And oh yeah, the the Mer Merrick Garland. You just look up Merrick Garland, uh, DOJ uh, espionage. Uh, I mean, I case. haven't really been looking it, at it. It was such a big deal, and yet I was didn't make big headlines. I was surprised. Yeah, I don't see it. I didn't see it anywhere. But you today. can watch the whole press conference. It'll blow your mind. Um, Charlie, you're up. Uh, unmute yourself. But that just now. shows you that the the media is being run by something that's Maybe. protecting us against that. You know, they Maybe. don't want us to I don't know. know. I don't know. But Charlie, what's up? Hi, Dr. Drew and panel. I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to speak. What's going on? Um, you touched on something earlier. I've been listening to you here on these spaces for a few weeks, but you touched on something tonight, which I'm actually dealing with, mm. something that you said you've seen. Um, after my second vaccine, this was early 21, I went into what they were calling at the time SVT. Yep. My heart rate was 240. Yep. I had to have two injections of adenosine yep. uh, to get my heart rate down. Since then... Um, after that, I had to have an ablation, as you spoke on. Mm -hmm. um, however, I'm still having bouts of intermittent AV nodal tachycardia, which was the ultimate diagnosis for my electrophysiology. Okay, so, so probably high AV node. So, so high AV node is hard to ablate. It's very hard to ablate. Yeah, they had to take a little time. He, he said that he yeah. had to take a little, and I'm a layman. I mean, my wife's yeah. an RN, but I have no medical knowledge. Yeah. Um, but he did say it took a little time to kind of isolate it and pinpoint it, but he mm -hmm. felt that it was successful. Good. Um, I haven't had anything quite up to that level of 240 since then. Okay. However, I've had a couple of times where it's hit like 150, 160 without okay. me doing anything physical. Okay. Um, I am taking metoprolol, sushinate twice a day, very Meto small dose. Metoprolol? Yes. People tend to not like that medicine, so watch for side effects. Okay, I haven't had any. Good. No, I've, I've been Good. taking it for months. And Good. again, it is a small dose, just like 25 total per day. Okay. Um, but I haven't seemed to have any problem other than I'm just having a hard time sleeping. But I think that that's maybe anxiety around what all's been going on. So, so I'm sure they also told you that given what you're describing, it, it, it's, it's not particularly dangerous. In other words, you don't want to ignore it but it's highly manageable and not likely to break down into more serious stuff. When you were at 240, that's no bueno. <laughs> that is no bueno. Right. That is a whole right. different story. But anything 130 to 160, you're sort of in a more safe zone. Okay. Un uncomfortable 
and maybe a real pain in the ass in terms of exercising and that kind of thing. But when you're on the beta blocker, you should be in control of that. Did they try Cartizem with you at all, you know? They haven't. And that, that's really part of my ultimate question. Number one, it's been very hard to get anyone, mm. even my primary care doctor, mm. to sort of acknowledge that it could be related to the vaccine. Nobody um, will. Nobody will. Yeah. The kicker here is that I had a full heart workup because I have a left bundle branch block. Uh-huh. Um, I actually had gone for a colonoscopy and they found that mm -hmm. on the monitors. So they sent me for kind of a full workup just to check. Mm -hmm. And I got seriously, I'm in my mid forties, but I got a super clean bill of health yeah. for my cardiac I'm workup. Sure. I mean, they were very pleased with it. And then yeah. this happens less than a year later, well, but they haven't really, I, I can't get them to tell me that where I'm at is okay. You know, you mentioned that just now about it's it's okay. You know, sure it's, it's, okay. Not, it's okay, but it's better. It's okay, but I wouldn't be happy with this. I'd want better. Well, and, and I'm not. And what I'm running into, doctor, is that, you know, I'll just be say, sitting up watching a show with my wife yeah. or I'll be driving and my heart rate's at like 105, 110 and yeah. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't feel like the metoprolol is doing anything negative from a side did, effect did standpoint. They, oh, man. Did they talk about any definitive treatments? They have not. And I have a, I just had an echocardiogram because okay. I've gone so, back to them and been unfortunately, like, Unfortunately, hey. definitive care. Oh, oy vey. So <laughs> you should be able to find a medicine that works. That's the bottom line. And I would keep okay. going until I find something that works for me and makes me happy and is not bothering me with symptomatology. Um, when they stressed your heart, when they looked at your heart, when they were doing the evaluation, they were looking for intrinsic disease of the vessels. And your heart vessels were normal, but the muscle got something from the vaccine, we think. Please listen to Dr. Molhatra. I interview him. It, it drops on Thursday. If you okay. listen, watch the Dr. Drew podcast and listen to that on Thursday, he and I talk in detail about this phenomenon. I would ask your cardiologist, hey, are you seeing, seeing more young males with this problem? Are you seeing more than you used to see? Just ask him. Uh, don't don't say is it the vaccine. Just go. Hey, have you noticed you're seeing a little more young males with this thing? And yeah, I've I've been there. They they don't. They're good men, but they just they, they won't even answer that. They don't want to touch it. Wow. They don't want to touch wow. It. wow. Isn't that crazy? And, yeah. And, so and I guess crazy. My only, Jesus. What I can't get them to tell me is that. And I have you know my wife again. She's a very experienced artist, and she mm. said, "Hey, your heart rate's dynamic." Mm -hmm. And while, like you just said, you know, the hundreds and the nineties may not be ideal, it's yeah. not necessarily dangerous. Correct. Correct. And, and, and you, you can know, always take an extra metoprolol too, you know, and see if okay. it, you know, again, it, as long as you're not having side effects, who cares, right? Oh, there yeah, it is. So is it up, is it up now? Yes. Caleb? It looks like it actually went up today so they can find it at drdrew.com. Right oh, now. you can listen to it right now. Well, there it is. Uh, okay, and it was Dr. Mohatra. Yeah, Mohatra. it's it's. You, if you look at the screen at all, he's, he's putting. Maybe you can put a link to it, Caleb, on the on the yes. show stuff. If they actually, if they just go to okay. drdrew.com slash ten twenty five twenty twenty two, it's one zero. This interview will blow your. It will blow your mind. This was well, one of the more substantial interviews that that I've done. I may bring him over here to, to talk to Kelly too. Go ahead. What? And I just want to say, I know you've got other people that you want that you need to talk to, but I just want to say you have been the first medical professional that i've had acknowledge that this is regardless of the cause that this is a thing 
Maybe. And seems it, to be. Maybe. Seems yeah, to be. I mean, it was already just, a thing. It existed. Obviously, I knew a bit about it, but right. but I'm used to seeing it in older people and suddenly seeing it a ton in 30-year-olds, little little weird. And always yeah, and the, I think with me, and it's a lot it's a lot of the same damn thing too, Charlie. It's a lot of you know, it happens to several friends of mine, where, and I just go, they go, oh, I've got a super ventricular attack card. They go, oh, did you learn to bear down? Did you learn the diver's reflex? Yeah, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> you do the carotid sinus massage, and then and then they'll always tell me the same thing because I, I assume they're talking about a heart rate of one fifty to one seventy, and they go, no, I was two forty. They were all two forty, uh, much like you, and that's where I go, holy shit, that's weird. That is yeah. that is unusual, and that's dangerous. The, the SVT normally is not really very dangerous in young people. With, with normal heart muscles. So that's where it caught my attention. So here we are, right? So something's up. Something's going on. It just seems like it. I, I, I don't well, know. Well, I, I mean, is there a question that I should be? I, I do see my electrocardiologist on Thursday. Is there something I should be asking them? They did another echo, which I'm sure is going to show normal. Yeah. But is there something that I should be asking them for? Is there something that I should ask them to, yes. to maybe pursue? Well, that you, you you really want to be more comfortable. You, you want to okay. be able to exercise normally. Right. And, and what's that going to take? You know, what are we going to have to do here? As you look, as you look, what's your, what is your treatment plan for me? What is your stepwise approach to my treatment to get me to where I can exercise normally and feel normal? I don't feel normal now. Okay. And, right. and you can even ask things like what are definitive interventions and you're going to hear weird shit like, you know, blading your AV node and putting you on a pacemaker and things like that. But I, I, that's way off. I would not yeah, care I for that stuff. Obviously, so. I want to do the most minimal thing. Yeah. But but yeah. you touched on it. I mean, this has affected like the way I look at exercise and doing the things I used to not do. Good. And it's simply because I don't feel like I'm in control of it. And it's... It's not good. Know, it, it's not good. And uh, it, you shouldn't have to live with that. There should be a way to get things. Uh, and, and again, the other thing is I've also noticed that it hasn't been going, the ablations haven't been definitive. A lot of people have been struggling with symptoms after the ablation. So here we are with you too. So, okay. All right. Well, I'll definitely listen to that. I appreciate right. the time and uh, we'll keep listening to you going forward. Okay. I appreciate good you luck, taking Ray. this on. You bet. Thank Let you. us know how it goes. It's uh, we'll do. very frustrating. Ooh, we, uh, let's get Joe up here. That is rough, man. I'll tell you what. Joe, you unmute yourself and we'll see what's going on. Yes, I was, call, or I was wanting to ask about the use of NAC mm -hmm. to reverse the damage of the spike protein. Um, that both the spike protein from the vaccine and the virus. Okay. I, I'm an I'm anastylcystine. You're talking about anastylcystine, right? Yes. I, I'm a fan. I use it. I take it every day. Uh, I, I just don't know, you know, if it has pharmacological effect, if you can really use it for disease states. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Joe. What are you, what are you hearing? Well, I, I was looking online and I saw something on FTA website from August 1st of this year. It says FTA releases final guidance on enforcement discretion for certain NAC products, hmm. which it sounds like they're trying to, Tell people, you know, you can't take this, um, but it's, I guess, certain NAC products. But does NAC have any, like if I have, if I'm on other medications, is that something I should be concerned about if I want to take it? 
Yes, always. Uh, talk to your doctor. It's always the case that oh, get, change that f uh, nine volt battery on your uh, smoke detector there. Uh, <laughs> and it's always the case that supplements need to be carefully discussed with your your physician. Always don't don't just take stuff willy nilly. I have seen catastrophes from people taking herbs and taking things without not you know understanding that. Or maybe your pharmacist too. Don't pharmacist, they have yet? Pharmacist is a good person to talk to. You're you're laughing at the nine volt battery. Yeah. I can hear it too. Sounds like a bird tweeting. This is tell me no lies. Did you know that's what it was before I yes, brought your attention? I hear, Good, I so you've, you've come around and all this stuff. Yeah, it drives um, me crazy too. Hi there, what's going on? Hey, Drew. Um, you'll probably recognize my voice. The reason I didn't put my real name is because I'm trying to get a job and I don't want them to uh, uh, be searching me out. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm having terrible withdrawal from Cymbalta. Oh yeah. I have yeah. I have almost every single yeah. significant symptom. Okay. I was titrated down. H how did you go under, down? I went from uh, my doctor supervised mm -hmm. uh my doctor we st I think I started I'm um, started with either 60 60 then I went down to 40 then I went down to how 20 How fast? Over a long time, over a few months. A few months. Yeah, okay. a couple, yeah, three months, okay. four months. Okay. And the fun. last was 10 milligrams every other day for a week and then stop. That was pushing, I believe. I, I, I still have symptoms as I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. um, the brain zaps are the worst. Right. The nausea comes in second. And now I get these like, these chills they're not yeah. they're like shit i don't know how to say it they're yeah. like shivers that are yeah. that make you make your whole body vibrate yeah but yeah. you're not cold right 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 and then and then the excessive sweating oh my god yeah um so it's been it's been definitely more than a week it could be two weeks it could i could be going into my third i've kind of lost track of time mm. because in the beginning i thought God, I really feel like crap. But could I have COVID again? Uh, I and mean, I did it. You tested, yeah. And it's not, yeah. And I tested, of course, because I get enough pressure from everybody. We'll just do a test. Okay, I did a test. It was negative. We'll do another test. You could not show up for two to four days. And I'm thinking, you know what? You vaxxed people may not show up for two to four days, but I feel so crappy yeah. that if I have it, I have it. Of course, it was negative again. And then I remembered, and then I remembered, you know, there were times I was lazy and I would not take my medicine, like maybe on a Saturday mm -hmm. morning. I'd sleep late, screw around at how at the home, at how at the house, and really end up not taking my medication. Okay, fine. Yeah. By Sunday morning, the brain zaps were already starting. Of course. So I identified that when I went, oh. God, yeah. it's from the Cymbalta. Of course. What is Cymbalta? Cymbalta is, is an antidepressant, yeah, anti-anxiet. It's an anti SNRI, so to speak. It's a dual agent. Yeah. Uh, it's like Effexor, and these these medicines have a withdrawal syndrome. I had an Effexor patient. That Effexor is even given in higher doses than Cymbalta, and I got her all the way down to 8.7 milligrams a day, and we could never go below that. Just, which is like a, it's not even a homeopathic dose, but she elected just to stay on that. 
And well, I, we were trying to move me from Cymbalta to Wellbutrin because I have like no libido mm-hmm. and I hate it. Right. And, and he hates it too, by the way. Right. So, you know, what do you, what do you do? Because the, now I feel like crap and it's, you're totally a drug addict. It's like the only way to make you feel better is to take another dose. Right. And I have some tens or twenties in the cabinet and it's everything I can do to resist it. Like, don't, Uh. don't screw yourself up. You're already on the road. You've come this far. Just, Try to suck it up. <laughs> so, Drew, I, know. I when she was talking about the sweats and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I was thinking, does do these SSRIs also affect your your hormones at all? Like, I remember the Wellbutrin was supposed to help you. Yeah, have but this is all a classic. better libido. This, but when she says she has no libido, maybe her hormones. This is all symbolic withdrawal. It really is. Now you you don't need to add another. You know, one one of the things in medicine is called Occam's razor. Remember, I taught you that one thing explains things is if it explains things adequately, it's the one thing you have to add well, multiple when I, and, things. And when I and when I said, "Oh my God, I've got it! I know exactly why I'm sick." Yeah. And then, of course, people are going. My mom, of course, goes, "No, that's not it. You're wrong. Take another <laughs> test." <laughs> I said, "There oh is. God. I am not taking another test. I am a hundred percent spot on." This, I am feeling everything. I I went to my school's 45th anniversary celebration on Sunday. It's outside in the city. I'm in short sleeves and jeans. And when I got home, I looked like I had gone through the sprinklers. I was drenched. And I couldn't wait to just peel the clothes off and lay them out to dry like I was in Mexico. I just don't, I haven't had that again since Sunday. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm turning the corner. But as I sit here right now, my eyes are vibrating. My brain is vibrating. My body is vibrating. Oh my God. It's horrible. It's miserable. It's horrible. I know it's miserable. Um, so what so can I do? Anything? I'm, do I really just have to suck it up? I'm I'm looking up while I'm talking to you some of the management strategies. Neurontin? Nah. I've I've used clonopin occasionally for this, just to give people some withdraw, some some uh, relief. I think cyproheptadine has been uh, advocated in certain situations. How uh, long do I have? I read it, it, it can go can, along for a long time, and so that's why. Yeah, you have I read to, yeah. that I could go on up to six weeks. Oh, I'm thinking, oh e- god, e- no. e- easily, easily. Uh, and Ugh. so you want to get something kind of going here, and and the, and the less the, I'm trying to see if I can find anything and. Um, and now because I have no job, I have no insurance. So now I don't have anybody to call to write me anything up. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. You it's really, really do need a, a psychiatrist who has experience with this. I, I do not, I've seen it, heard about it a million times. I'm not treated. And you know it. what's interesting? I was never managed by a psychiatrist. I was always, actually, I take that back. When 14, no, 16 years ago, when I first went on it, yeah. I was managed by a psychiatrist. Then my, general prac, whoever it was at the time, um, and over time in the last 16 years has been, has picked up the, mm. picked up the, uh, responsibility. So I don't even have a psychiatrist to, to go to. And of course, with, if I could even get medical, 
then um yeah, this group is advocating switching to another ssri you know well it's the same acting. thing it's, it's the same thing it's still the neuro it's yeah. still going to screw up my neurotransmitters it's still going to be in my brain here's i treating ssri withdrawal with cyproheptadine let's see if it's what it says this is a it's not a you know the people have been using antihistamines and things what's going what is all that noise Oh, sorry. That was her phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's the phone. We it's, talked to your doctor about cyproheptadine. That's the only one that comes to mind. Off and clonopin. Those are the two that come to mind as possibly useful. Um, but you, you really Unless you should. have addiction in your family or whatever. Yeah, obviously. No, I don't have addiction have in my be, family. You have to be careful with the clonopin too, because of course that will have withdrawal symptoms if you use too much of that. Right? Yeah, I don't use too much of it. So, I I could take like a half one, and I'm just out of it. Mm. So. Well, I don't want to be in a coma. I haven't been able to exercise I because at night before you go to bed, and then you just feel better the next day. Sometimes, like, I mean, Sometimes that's that for anxiety or whatever. So it's very frustrating, very difficult. Uh, there, True. there are so many crazy withdrawal symptoms. What's that? Would something like okay. clonidine work for what she's saying, or is that not applicable? Yeah, I was thinking about clonidine, but I, I the, sometimes I, I, you know, I let, let me look it up for you. Did you, did you see that somewhere? I did I just, not look. I, I did not look. I just, I when I looked it up, I just looked at basically. Uh, I didn't see any medication, but I was looking yeah. specifically for what the side effects were with the withdrawal. What the side effects were with coming off of, and when I saw withdrawal, and I went, "Oh God, check, 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 check." I thought, oh my God, please don't make this go on for six weeks. I can't. Yeah, clonidine is an option. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we have any other. Uh, that's that's the reason why it comes to mind. Is I I just remembered yeah, because, because whenever they had me on all those like opioid painkillers for almost a year before I. Oh had yeah, well that's different. Clonidine that's, disease, that for sure works there. Yeah, for sure works it, there. It works so well for the withdrawals and the tapering down and all of that stuff. I was totally fine. And I, my doctor had just mentioned, yeah. oh, it's it, a lot of in a lot of cases, it's almost like it, it's a, almost a one size fits all for a lot of cases for different things like this. So I wondered if they've tried that yet for this. I'm just looking. at Is it? Is it common? Like I was feeling a little bit better on Sunday and it started back up again on Monday. And now I'm like, I haven't had the shakes this bad yet. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, is it supposed to be getting worse? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, it does. That's, you have to kind of suppress it. So it does look like clonidine, lofexidine, uh, and it's I've seen cyproheptadine being used. So these are all, but you have to... And, you know, it's activating the histamine system and the locus ceruleus. It seems to help with some of this stuff. And so, Too bad yeah. I can't just take Benadryl. Well, I, I, I wouldn't do that without supervision. That's for sure. Uh, because see. it would be a lot. Histamine one. Uh, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. I, I Again, you'd have to be very carefully watched. So, so I, you got to so get some help. So then I can't healthy. do it because I don't have a doctor. Well, so there's no, no point. Yeah, but it's I, can't you go to some sort of teaching hospital or county funded or something like that? I don't know. I'm in L.A. Where can I go? Um, there's a place called the Magnolia Center in the West Side. No, is that what it's called, Susan? I don't know. That place. That, is there anything in the valley besides all of you? Uh, if that's even still there? No, what, at S there. what about at SC? No, all of you is a UCLA hospital, and so that would be a good place. Um, I can't think of anything else in the valley off the top of my head. 
Uh, but there, you just look up, you know, county funded, you know, uh, teaching hospitals, that kind of thing. And you, sh but the problem is, it's going to be, oh yeah, you can you can come in in three weeks, you know. So uh, maybe you can get somebody on the phone. I mean, see if you can get any crisis lines on the phone, get some advice. But it's, uh, yeah. it's it's challenging. It's very challenging. It's and this, terrible. And people can even get akathisias uh, from withdrawals. What's that? Where you start pacing around and you know you can't stop moving. It's a little different than what you're having. Your oh, thing yeah, is, no, I'm not having is that. The, the temperature dysregulation, the chills and the zaps, which are typical of the SSRIs and the and the nausea SSRIs and the nausea oh. vomiting. Yeah, that's typical. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's why I, I I remind everybody: all medicines are bad. It's only when the risk reward is worth it. And you're reminding us of that today. So okay, so then, so then, in that case, what should I? I'm I'm on that I'm on Wellbutrin I'm on um mm. I think it's who is there the, the, I'll tell you what the, the doctor right? that's prescribing it cannot abandon you even though you don't have insurance so call that call that group whoever that doctor is and tell them what's going on okay let's start there okay, okay? yeah they shouldn't be able to start leave. with that yeah, ask about cyproheptadine ask about clonidine and can they help you and they should be able to do it over the phone. Because they're the prescribing, they're responsible, they're the ones, the, they're the prescribing entity. Uh, let's yeah, I was going to say that. Talk to Lizette very quick here. That was interesting for me, just kind of review that. Uh, that. I've, seen, I've seen a lot of that stuff. Ugh. Yeah. Seth, you got to unmute yourself there. What's going on? Hi. Hey. Sorry about that. You bet. Hi. Hey there. Um, I. I've been on the call for a while. I wasn't sure if you touched base on the RSV situation that's going on now. I did not um, talk about it, but that's kind of okay. uh, awful. What's, what's little neonates well, are getting a lot of RSV. RSV is on the rise. Yeah, I don't have any babies that small. I have. We just got over RSV mm. with my four-year-old mm. and my one-year-old and myself. But that they too, my four-year-old's got it really bad, mm -hmm. and obviously it's scary when they have it. You go, you get checked in, and they're just like, oh, it's just RSV. Just go home yeah. and watch him. Yeah, He's turning blue. He's turning purple. He can't breathe at night. Put a vaporizer. Okay. But now I'm watching the news, and it's like RSV, big bad virus with kids and this and that. And now I'm wondering, like, okay, so is it really bad? Because I was just sent home. Keep well, an eye on him. It's, it's generally, it's, it's, it can be a little scary, but it's generally not bad. But here goes the press again, trying yeah, to make exactly. a, trying to, trying to freak people out and uh, they don't live, turn them off immediately to do, give them what they deserve. Yeah. They start that shit immediately. Turn your television off immediately. <laughs> if, they, if you have a subscription, a newspaper, that's trying it end your subscription. That's the only way to get these people to, to stop. To stop this insanity. <laughs> yes, RSV is real. RSV is dangerous. RSV is nasty, and it doesn't. And most people get well fine. Uh, and they're, I, did they ask you to get a O2 monitor on the finger or anything? Uh, they did not, but I have that. Mm -hmm. So I have one of those, and I always kept it on. I have a pediatric one, and I have an adult one. Great. So I kept Great. it on him. Great. In the middle of the night, and I'd watch it go down while he's sleeping. Yeah, but he yeah, was true. right next to me. He slept with me, and that's kind of all I did. And. I mean, it's usually all it's, it's usually all it's required. It really is. Uh, you know, might need some breathing treatments, and you might, you know, it it, it can be bad. I'm not going to kid you. It, and it's it's awfully pervasive now. It's it's really mm -hmm. coming on strong, and it doesn't it doesn't. It's not like this coronaviruses that mutate into nastier things all the time. This mm -hmm. is it's what it is, and there's more of it. And uh, you got through it, and, and good, great. You're now through it. Yep. 
Yeah, so, we totally did. But so, yeah, like you said, the media is like just ugh, they're out of control. going crazy now. They're out and, of control. <laughs> and it's it's you're talking about all these different things and how the long term can affect. And now I'm like, wait a second, I, I didn't. No, RSV. I wasn't told about anything. No, no, you're good. You're good. RSV, you're good. Just get just get through it. Okay. All right. All right. Was that? Thanks for the call. Thank you. Respiratory syncytial virus is what she's talking about. It's been around forever. But it's made a resurgence in uh, the day of post-COVID. The thinking is that nobody got it because they weren't exposed to it because no one was going into hospitals, no one going to doctor's office, kids weren't interacting with each other. And so it was you know, less likely to occur. And now it's catching up with itself, so to speak. Now it's really, it's on. Okay, guys, I think that about does it. Um, we put in close to two hours here. Thank you for hanging out with us. I know a few of you still want to come up here, but I'm going to have to wrap this thing up. We are uh, out for about a week here. We are next back on Wednesday when we have uh, Dr. Aaron Cariardi coming back. He's the psychiatrist, medical ethicist that was uh, lost his job because of his concern with uh, mass vaccination and the way that uh, the... Uh, and Deborah goes to being conducted. He, he is a really bright, very fine psychiatrist. We will ask him, hey, um, was it, oh, what was her name? Uh, who had the withdrawal syndrome? Call, uh, I don't see your name. Call back on Wednesday if you're still having these symptoms and we'll talk to Carrie Artie about it. He's an expert in these things. And I'll try to remember, I'm gonna write it down right now uh, to try to ask him about it. Susan, anything on your uh, radar? No. Okay. Okay. Okay, we'll go back to watching Las Vegas jail tonight and enjoy <laughs> ourselves. Um, and Caleb, thank you. Have a good week. Uh, I'm going to Cleveland to talk to a drug treatment center. Then we are going to New York. And then we're- You know what's weird though? Mm. I feel like that woman's energy like came through and I'm, I'm like, I could feel for her because mm. I, I don't know, I've felt like that before, but I just, I feel like very, I feel very anxious now. <laughs> Yeah, she she had uh, she was in distress. She was accelerated and agitated from all she was going through. That's why I brought up the akathisia in case she started even getting that stuff uh, later on. And uh, yeah, it's 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 you it's contagious. It sounded very painful. It's very uncomfortable, and it, it got me, you know, very quickly digging into the literature trying to figure out what's going on here. That's interesting for me to try to help somebody when they're in distress like that. I'm sorry if it, um, you know, diverted the attention of the show for a little while, but I thought it was worth spending the time just kind of. No, I know. Up. I wish we could help her more. Well, I, I she's got the idea against clonopin, clonidine. Well, what about like healthy, healthy living? Like, yes, take a walk. Yes, you know, yes, get all outside, of that. All do of that. some little exercise. Yes, eat something good for you, and. But it's 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 really it's hard. But for you can't. To, it doesn't take it away. It just. It's hard for people to describe how unpleasant it is. It's really unpleasant for people, and I've dealt with it a lot. Oh sure. And um, drug withdrawal is the, awful. But this is not opiate withdrawal. This is something much more sort of. It it, it it's almost like it's not happening, but it is happening. It's a very strange thing. Yeah. And and it, imagine feeling electricity zapping from the back of your head to the front on a, on a constant basis, like the drum drum. And yeah. and it and it that's and it's un it's, because it's kind of neurological it's uncanny and it's difficult for them to describe it but they know it's miserable, and uh, no doubt it is. All right, thank you all, thank you Caleb, and uh, we will see everyone next Wednesday with uh, Dr. Cariardi. See you then.
Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.